Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello. Let me tell you something weird that happened before we started recording. Mm. Sarah came up to the attic with a plate of nibbles. <laughs> nibbles? That's so sophisticated. So, I don't know, what is she up to? It's really strange. It's three little bowls, one with nuts, one with olives, um, and one with, I guess, some kind of toasted corn kernels. Some crackers and some cheese. And this has never happened before? Never before. What's going on? I don't know. It's a, it's a suspicious spread, mm, as suspicious far as I'm spread. concerned. <laughs> Have you had your dindins? No, I haven't got round to it, so mm. it might be to do with that. But even, even taking that into consideration, I think it's peculiar. It's like a little platter. If you were having a party but you couldn't be bothered catering it properly and you just ran to the supermarket and grabbed some things mm. it's, it's it's those those are things you grab it's it's weird the little bowls as well what is she up to maybe she's having a party downstairs oh yeah that'll be it yeah <laughs> that would be so disturbing if i went downstairs and lockdown had eaten her brain to the extent that she'd yeah. got nibbles around the place yeah 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 <laughs> um anyway uh, how are you fine how are you well, something awful happened. Oh, no, what? I have a LinkedIn profile. Me too. Now, I don't, I don't know why I have a LinkedIn profile. Me neither. <laughs> I think secretly I'm hoping that someone in Silicon Valley will just happen across it and then offer to buy me. Buy you, just you as a person. Yes. He looks good, yeah. we'll have him. That's, that's my retirement plan, basically, that Google or someone will buy me. Mm. I tell you what I'd also love. Someone to buy my silence. Oh, that'd be brilliant. Great, wouldn't it? Maybe I should become um, like an outspoken critic of something. Mm. And then whatever that thing is, they they could hire me to just shut me up. Yeah. And and then to speak on their behalf, because I think I would be a great apologist. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I'm all, always apologising for things anyway, so why not do it for money? Yeah, why not? Hmm. I could like to become a, an apologist for Big Pharma. Okay. <laughs> when, when, you, when you hear Big Pharma, do you think of a Big Pharma? No, but I, th- I think uh, you do. <laughs> okay, just me. Uh, anyway, so LinkedIn. I'm on there, mm. but I almost never look at it. Okay. And in fact, they, they bombard me with email. Um, so I feel in some ways like I'm getting one over on them. Because I, I never go on there. So th- so they are employing somebody in their office at LinkedIn to write these emails to me and send them. Uh, and, and then, you know, they're always, the subject line is three people have viewed my profile this month or something. Yeah. And then, then I am sticking it to them by not, never logging in. Yeah, you're showing them. Are you following the logic of this? No, carry on. No, me either. I mean, I do have a, a, a horrible feeling that I'm paying for some kind of premium LinkedIn service. I think you are um, on premium, yeah. Well, do you know why? No. 
so that when I've been snooping on my enemies, they can't see that it's me. Oh, is that the way you could get around it? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. You're, you're anonymous. Um, so, so basically what I've realised is I'm paying for something that I don't use. Mm. And <laughs> you're yeah, really showing I, them. <laughs> I, I still feel like I'm showing them or in some way winning by never looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. Does it strike you as weird that the, the business model of lots of modern companies is to get you to sign up for something you're desperate to look at mm. uh, by giving you a free trial mm. and then basically they're just hoping that you forget about it when it starts charging you yeah because i think it's probably works the reason they'll do it is because it works people do forget but isn't it a depressing business model so depressing Got a great idea we'll get people into a frenzy so they want to sign up and look at this we'll take their card details and then hopefully their attention span is so short <laughs> yeah, 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 we can yeah. keep taking uh, a, 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 a nominal fee out of their bank account on an indefinite basis until one day they notice it on the bank statements then we'll have to get a new customer they are so bad at admin they just won't it's, notice yes it's a really depressing um, not me business model I, yeah. I set an alert in my calendar so I, that's <laughs> great I respect you it. I, f- I really respect you for doing that. I I lack the organisational skills. It really annoys me, actually, with newspaper websites especially. So I pay for two news sites. So I'm a supporter on one that I am ideologically aligned with. And then I subscribe to another one where that isn't the case, but there's some good, good journalism. And also I don't like to live like I'm in an echo chamber, so it's good to be exposed to other perspectives. Um, okay. I don't know why I'm being so coy. Obviously, I'm talking about The Guardian and The Times. We, we all guessed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why, why? Ooh, what could he mean? <laughs> but anyway, the point being that if, um, if I say a link to something in, in, say, The Telegraph on Twitter, and then it's a link to, 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 to read that article that I'm interested in, I have to sign up to get access. Mm. Then I have to give my credit card details over for a free trial. And then... Unlike you with your reminders, I have to hope that I remember to cancel it before they start charging me, mm, which mm. I, I just think is a weird way to conduct a business. And it's just especially weird in terms of newspapers. Like, I, if, if I heard there was an interview with Nick Kershaw in Smash Hits, I'd just go out and buy Smash Hits. Right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to subscribe to Smash Hits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- why can't, you're right. Why can't you just buy it? Yes. Yeah. Like, why can't they just charge me 30p? For the, for the, for what one the newspaper article. would cost or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, I am, as I mentioned before, I'm sometimes in such a desperate frenzy to, to, to read it. I would pay over the odds. I'd pay like a pound or a pound 50. That's which, a much better business model. Yeah, because that, that is... I don't know, maybe like half of what it would cost to buy an entire newspaper. Yes, yes. Only without the overheads of a printing press and a boy on the street shouting, extra, <laughs> extra, read all about it. You should just get free, it should be a day pass. Yes. Like like buying the newspaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It can't be that difficult. Um, anyway, it's LinkedIn, I've gone a bit off piece mm, there. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was on there this morning because that is that is the depths of boredom I've now reached. Like, I've got nothing to do in lockdown. Um, I'm not going to spend more time with my family when I don't have to. If it's Sarah's turn to do the homeschooling, which is wretched, I'm, I'm just going to sit and stare at the wall if I have to. Um, and, and LinkedIn is maybe a half a notch above staring at the wall. Now, on there is there's some kind of people you might know box, like there is on Facebook. Oh, yeah. So I noticed that. And I was idly scrolling through it and something terrible happened. I accidentally sent an invitation request to a stranger. Oh, a complete stranger. Someone you don't actually know. Yeah, yeah like some radio producer that I've never no. met. No. It gets worse. Go on. He accepted. Oh, well, that, no, that, that's better, isn't it? Well, nothing's good. But what I mean, what do I do? So he he's some radio producer working somewhere or other, and he thinks, "Oh, why? Why is that guy? Oh. Remember that guy from the past? <laughs> like, why is that guy added me on LinkedIn? I've never met him. I, I don't work in the type of radio that he's ever worked in. I think he's a sports producer. Oh, really? Like, <laughs> like what is going on in his head now? Why does he think I've added him? Is he? Ex- he's thinking, okay, I'll look out for a message. Uh, he's going to tell me what he's up to, and he wants 
to involve me in his, his project. Should I message him? Should I just tell him it was a slip of the thumb? Oh, no, it's poor protocol. Just pretend it never happened. Yeah. I'm thinking of um, deleting my profile. <laughs> but then what if Big Pharma wants to get in touch? Exactly. Don't do it. All right, let's uh, let's hear what the drifters have been getting in touch about this week, Annabelle. First one is Jenny. She writes, At the beginning of 2020, I started a new job at a well-known UK charity arranging training workshops for external organisations. It's a perfect job for a drifter. I organised everything behind the scenes, but was never required to actually attend the events or speak to any real life humans. I'd send a professional trainer to facilitate the workshop and I could stay safe and sound at my desk and hope it all went well. Or at least that was the case before lockdown. During the first lockdown, we adapted our workshops to be delivered via webinar. The professional trainer would still run the session, but suddenly I was required to make an appearance too, joining the webinar to make sure all the tech worked and everything went smoothly. I also had to introduce the trainer at the beginning and give a speech to the delegates, real live humans, about various Ugh. webinar housekeeping rules. Nightmare. I would get so nervous before each big debut that I'd work myself into a worried frenzy before it even began. On one particular day, we were running a workshop for a big government organisation. It was doomed from the beginning, with no one's webcams or microphones working properly, some of them having trouble joining the session and getting kicked out once they were actually in. It's safe to say I was stressed. To make matters worse, the delegates that did manage to join successfully were so unengaged, refusing to contribute and seemed to be barely listening to our trainer, James. At one point during the workshop, we put the delegates into different breakout rooms, meaning they could have private discussions in smaller groups within the webinar. Myself and James stayed in the main room while they were in their breakout rooms. Pretty much as soon as we'd moved them all out of the main room and made sure no one was left in there with us, James started letting it rip about what a rubbish group of people they were, how we couldn't believe how incompetent they were with technology and how the fact it was a webinar was no excuse because they'd been just as bad during their face-to-face training the year before. He went on and on about them and I wholeheartedly agreed it was a more challenging session than usual. After we brought the delegates back and continued the workshop, I noticed a private message pop up for me from one of the delegates. As soon as I read it, I'm pretty sure my heart stopped beating for at least 10 seconds. Uh. Hi, Jenny. Just so you're aware, we could hear everything you and James were saying when we were in our breakout rooms. Somehow the tech must have glitched and instead of the groups having in-depth deep private conversations about quite a serious topic they were just sat there listening to us pitching about them oh god we're meant to be representing one of the biggest charities in the country to make matters worse my webcam was on while i was reading the private message so i couldn't even let my face register the shock (laughs) of what had happened the rest of the group rest of the workshop passed with a frosty awkward atmosphere followed by a meeting with my manager where I had to confess what had happened. Somehow I kept my job, but I will never again utter a single bad word about anyone ever again in a webinar. That is horrifying. Did you feel your stomach just clench like throughout Oh, that? yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah, agonising. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, just torturous. worst. And this is from Hi Baron Barnaby. I'm writing about my late grandfather, who in his time certainly exhibited some key drifterish red flags. My mother, for example, once received a birthday card from him, on the front of which was stuck, bang in the middle, a post-it note that read, in his wife's handwriting, send to your daughter. (laughs) 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 He just left it there. Oh, that's great. (laughs) He was also, like any good drifter, a big fan of Scandinavia, working for much of his life for a Swedish company and spending many happy months in Gothenburg. His drifter highlight, however, may well have been an incident which unfolded in 1970s New York. Arriving in the Big Apple on a business trip, exhausted and famished after a long transatlantic flight, the one thing he really wanted was a good curry. 
Jumping into a yellow cab and being asked for his destination, he che- he cheerily requested an Indian restaurant, please. Just in from England, sir, replied the cabbie. I know, just the place. Sometime later, they pulled up on a poorly lit side street, besides the even more poorly lit entrance to a dubious looking stairway. Here we go, sir, just down there. Thanking and paying the driver, my grandfather heaved his luggage awkwardly down the dingy stairs and stepped blinking into the brightly lit space beyond. Good evening, sir, cried a beaming waiter. He froze, instantly realising the catastrophic misunderstanding that had taken place. The waiter wore an enormous feathered headdress and a (laughs) loose-fitting, highly ornamented shirt. Decorating the restaurant were totem poles, teepees and tomahawks. Young women moved between the tables wearing headdresses, beads and feather necklaces and very little else. It was, all in all, a crude pastiche, a mismatched collection of cheap and highly offensive stereotypes of what would nowadays be called indigenous American culture. Very much the wrong kind of Indian restaurant. What could he do? Even in the decidedly non-woke 70s, he was shocked. His heavy luggage precluded a speedy getaway. Besides, the cabbie could still be outside. How could he risk offending him with a haughty (laughs) British disdain for his innocently proffered, if utterly misguided, restaurant recommendation? Nope, there was nothing for it. He bit his tongue and stepped forward, spending a surreal and awkward hour being served vague generalised approximations of indigenous cuisine by unsettlingly scantily clad waitresses before he could finally make his escape. He never did get that curry. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, more of that. I just love the fact that he, he was willing to put himself through that ordeal rather than face the taxi driver thinking that he'd give him a, yeah. a duff recommendation. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. so great. So driftery. Um, your stories, please. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. Annabelle. Yes. Let's have another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult. So this week I was reaching into the cupboard to get a mug of a mug for a cup of herbal tea. And I found myself actually noticing all my mugs for the first time and realising something that I hadn't properly acknowledged before, that there are about 20 mugs in this cupboard, but there are only five I will even consider using. And those five are in a hierarchy. So... Joint first and second place, and probably the most used, are a mug that actually you gave me a few years ago. It's an excellent size. It's quite big, so I feel like I'm getting more for my money from my tea bag. That's how tight I am. (laughs) I also use every tea bag twice, but anyway, it's a good size. And it's got a nice kind of abstract picture of a building on it. I can't remember what it is. Is it the Design Museum or the Tate Modern? Something like that. Anyway, it's a really good mug. The other mug in joint first place is Lips. That's its name. It's a white mug with pink lipstick marks printed on it. What percentage of the population has got a mug with a name, I wonder? Do you have a mug with a name? No, I don't believe I don't believe so. What what, what how many people do you think do like percentage wise? Uh I think it's less than one. Less than one not one person in the whole country. Or one percent. Yeah. I, I just suddenly realised that, oh, I've just realised this mug has got a name. I never really thought so about it. So would you say to your lover, Tom, will you, will you make me a cup of tea in lips, please? In lips, yeah, I just call it I call it lips. I'll have it in lips. Yeah, lips. And he knows what I mean. Lips. Wow. So lips was my number one favourite, but then your one showed up and it's now joint favourite. Sometimes I secretly think that your one is better because it's bigger, but I can never fully admit that because I'm so loyal to lips. And my mum bought it for me maybe about 20 years ago, but it's still in excellent shape. I did once nearly lose it. I was staying in an Airbnb when I was between homes. And when I moved, I accidentally left it behind. Some might have just given it up. But I emailed the owner and asked them to leave it out on the doorstep the next day. And then I made the hour-long journey to retrieve it. And I don't want to sound too mental, but I felt some emotion when I saw Lip sitting on that doorstep all on its own, just waiting for me. <laughs> so after Yawn and Lips, there is one that our old colleague and friend Dan once got me for Christmas. And it's a mug with photos of John Travolta, Guy Gomer, Kim Jong-il and Putin on it. And I'm pretty certain it's the only one of its kind in the world. (laughs) Pretty certain. I mean, I can't be 100%. Pretty certain. And then the other two I use are ones my sister gave me with photos of my niece on when she was little. 
I've not got any with my nephew on because it seems that when the second child comes along, you stop doing stuff like that. I think you run out of time. Mm. But anyway, I, I like those ones too. And those last three are not in my top tier because they're slightly smaller. So the other thing I noticed when I looked into my cupboard and mugs is that I'm 45, nearly 46, and I have never in my life bought a mug. Do you think that's normal? No. Don't you think so? Because I asked Tom and he said, I've never bought a mug either. And I'm pretty sure that my son and dog have never bought one. So that's 100% of my household have never bought a mug. Like we've just accumulated them. Oh, that is interesting. That's and interesting. I wonder like how many people actually buy mugs. Like none of our mugs match, but that isn't the kind of thing that bothers me. My friend, who's a lawyer, was once working on a case with Cherie Blair while Tony Blair was prime minister. And she once had a meeting with Cherie at Downing Street and Cherie made them tea and apologised that the mugs weren't matching. Wow. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that they were supposed to match. I was like, oh, right, they're supposed to match. You're supposed to apologise for the not matching ones. But I'm wondering now, will I ever buy a mug? And I just <laughs> I just can't imagine that I will. I think I will lie on my deathbed and my last words will be, you know, I never, ever bought a mug. <laughs> also, I think as last words, they, they could be as unique <laughs> as that mug with Kim Jong-un. Or was it ill? Um, John Travolta, Guy Goma. And, and Putin. Putin, yeah. Yeah. Wow. When I decided that I was going to talk about my mug situation today, I thought, I'll need something else. I'll never fill a whole segment. And well, <laughs> here we are next week, how I've also never bought an ironing board. I am so fascinated by this. I, I think I was hasty and wrong when I said um, that most people had bought a mug. As you carried on talking, I thought, oh, I bet she's right. I bet they are things that generally people acquire yes. more than that they, they go out and actively buy. But I so think I you've thinking, bought a mug though, haven't you? Well, I have I have a lot of mugs because I, I wouldn't go as far as to say as I collect, but I have a lot of these um, mugs with characters from the Moomins on them, yeah. which are really beautiful mugs. And I'm very particular these days about which ones again i've got a hierarchy of mugs oh so that's so i think that's quite common then okay yeah so up until somewhat recently the hierarchy went there's a mug with these characters called the hattie fatteners on them right and my son for some reason i was doing some work over the summer and when i would come home he got really excited about filling a, a mug full of ice and then pressing go on the coffee machine for me and that was always the mug that he chose for me so that was number one mug then i've got two mugs different mugs with moomin pepper on them and those are the next ones i like to drink out of because i'm a papa <laughs> and I, I like thinking i'm the daddy so i'll drink out of the mugs with the daddy on them and then after that uh it used to be Snufkin, who was my favourite character from Moomins, who went from number one to number four or whatever. But recently, so at Christmas, Gene's school sent home Christmas present mugs with his handprint on them. So that's gone up to the number one position. Aww. And the mug I like the least is a mug I bought my wife for a present, a humorous present. After she gave birth, our neighbours gave her this thing to sit on. Because obviously giving birth is, is painful and sitting can be painful afterwards. And they gave her this, it's difficult to describe really, it's like a foam ring. Yeah, it's like a donut, a big donut. It looks like a donut, yeah. but it's like horribly discoloured in the way that orthopaedic things off, often are. It's like an off-yellow, off-white, yellowy colour. Mm. And it was this horrible item that was serving a you know an important function but I, we both thought it was such an ugly thing to have around the house so she stopped using it when she felt better so then i, I found it and took a photo of it and put it on a mug <laughs> but never forget that's amazing which i thought was a funny thing to do but it yeah. is a horrible item yeah, so yeah. it's it a photograph like of a horrible item so yeah. so that is the that's the, the the mug that i like the least but mm. I, this 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 to me constitutes an extremely interesting conversation me too i mean i wonder if we've been in lockdown too long but i'm fascinated by now by what percentage of the population have ever bought a mug for themselves or whether they've just acquired a mugs over the time yeah yeah and, and i think last week's podcast was very much an example of being in lockdown too long and and how 
low the bar for conversation can be but i think mm. this is top notch stuff <laughs> i genuinely do mm. um and i know it's slightly off topic but if people want to tell us about their hierarchy of mugs i would love to know yeah. also annabelle's proven me wrong about people acquiring rather than buying mugs will it turn out that annabelle is also wrong about mugs having names yes if you're if you've got to own a mug that has a name i would love to know like yeah. lips mm, lips I, w- I want to throw this out to the drifters okay great the hierarchy of mugs we'll come back to it next in week. your house yeah absolutely email us hello at adriftpodcast.com ryan reynolds here from mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I think I mentioned this a while ago, but I've become very paranoid about my breathing. Oh, is it? I think you said something to do with wearing a mask and becoming more aware of it. Is that what you mean? Oh, that's my breath. I'm hyper aware of my my breath, but it's more I've noticed, and and this is particularly uh, prevalent at the moment because we're homeschooling Eugene and a lot of his homework assignments, we make little videos and turn them in. And I notice any video on my phone where I'm videoing him or Sarah or, or whatever, I can hear myself breathing like an 80s sex pest in the background. I feel like your wife is the type of person who would be on that and she'd be mentioning it a lot. Has she mentioned it? No, every every now and again she'll say, why are you breathing like that? But it's it's not okay. that frequent. Not constant. I also wonder if people, if it was that bad, the podcast listeners would have noticed it. Yeah. Okay, I'll try and let that go. I think you're all right for now. I'll try and let it go. We were very late starting the recording this evening because I was intent on trying to persuade Annabelle to watch The Masked Singer. Yeah, you love it, don't you? I mean, to be honest, I'm you persuaded me, but I sort of feel that it's, you have to watch it on a Saturday night and I know that Tom won't watch it. So I just don't know what to do, whether to just get rid of him or... <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I even before we, before we started recording, I even texted you some YouTube videos and said, watch this one, watch this one, which you very politely did. I mean, as we all know, it's an awful thing to watch a YouTube video that somebody's showing you. Yeah, but I did actually enjoy these ones. I, I have to say it does look really good and it's something I would enjoy, but it's not something I'd enjoy on a Wednesday night on my own while Tom's watching football. Like I'd have to watch it with someone else on a Saturday night and it's just not going to happen. I wonder if the pressure of showing somebody a YouTube video and having to react to it is lessened by doing it over Zoom. Did you feel any less pressure then? No, well, you you were the one, really. Did you feel any less pressure to show I'm, me a re- Yeah, I was quite relaxed about it, I yeah, think. Maybe, yeah. maybe we've, we've cracked that. Mm. So this week we watched it with my son, which is quite exciting because it's the first time we've ever watched grown-up telly with him and he really got into it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I think it started life as an American show and now it's in like loads of different countries. It's a singing show on the TV. It's people dressed in these very elaborate and brilliant mascot costumes they are famous but you don't know who they are um you listen to them sing and then a a panel of celebrities try and guess who is behind the mask is the panel the same every week yeah it's jonathan ross davina mccall rita ora and mo gilligan who are you know a, a really good panel i think but what was funny about watching it with my son was two things one was when the panel would make a guess as to who it was so, for example, at some stage, Jonathan Ross went, I think that could be Grace Jones. My son went, no, it's not Grace Jones. <laughs> He's got no clue who no. Grace Jones is, but he was very emphatic. Um, but the other one was, uh, he, he was watching one of them. I can't, I can't remember which one. And she went, he went, hmm, I think it could be Hanan. Hanan? Yeah, it's one of the teachers from his old nursery. Oh, <laughs> He's going to be so disappointed when they eventually take that mask off and it's a celebrity he's never heard of rather than one of his teachers from nursery. Um, 
yeah, I still think the Badger's Chris Moyles. I wavered, I wavered, but uh, I've watched a couple of YouTube videos and I think there's a tone of voice there. Okay. If you want to get down the bookies, yep. that you can. No. Um, Zoom meetings. How? I know you've done some social Zoom meetings over the course of the various lockdowns and restrictions. Have you done any work Zoom meetings? Um, no, not really. Like I did one, I did like a, I spoke to someone about my website, like someone who was helping me out with it, but that's not quite the same thing, is it? No. So I've found myself on a, on a few occasions in a Zoom meeting with people I haven't met, um, largely discussing some project or other. Right. Now, here are some things I've, I've noticed about it. N- number one, like any meeting, most of what gets talked about could be dealt with in a two-line email. Mm, yeah. And and then the rest of the meeting is made up of small talk with people asking each other whereabouts they are. Oh, I'm in London as well. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And And then, again, like most meetings, there's a lot of politely trying to figure out a way to say why somebody's idea is terrible and you won't be doing it. Okay. So, you know... You could go, oh, that's, that's really that's really good. I'm really into that. I mean, I suppose one concern might possibly be <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Okay. So this is what makes up these things. Anyway, what I've noticed, and I hope this is an ob- observation that will um, resonate with people. I hope it's not just specific to the type of work that I do, that in these calls where you're talking about a project – they they tend to end with people saying how excited they are. Do they? Okay. And I, th- I think that is, is weird. I think about what, what being excited is. Think about being excited and what that feels like. Yeah, yeah. Think about the things in your life, in your past, that have made you excited. Now think about projects you've discussed in meetings. <laughs> oh. Is there much crossover between those two things? No, none. No. No, no. no. Like my dad worked in the Royal Mail in the post office for decades. My mum worked as a nurse in hospital wards for decades. Do you think anybody ever in a meeting in either of those places ever said that they were excited? Oh, like people would think you were weird if you blurted out that you were excited. Is it coming it'd, from a polite place? Like I it'd be a black mark. I don't care. <laughs> it's a weird thing to say. You're not excited in in a normal working environment of the past. It'd be a black mark against your name <laughs> to say you're excited. What's wrong like, with you? What, I'm gonna let's let's. Here's a list of meetings where it's okay to say that you're excited. Right. If you are. Planning an expedition to ascend Everest. Okay. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's all of them. That's it. Really, that's, that's it. All okay. Of them. Wow, yeah. strict. It's excited. It's very, very weird part of modern work culture. Mm, mm. I think it's probably you know, more a thing in some types of jobs than others. But everyone's not excited about a work project. I wonder if it's it's more prevalent in jobs where you're supposed to be grateful for being there. So you're sharing Maybe. that gratitude in some way. Yeah, I don't know. It's very weird. You know, I said after last week, I wasn't just going to blurt out any uh, any thought that had come through my head in the previous seven days. Mm. I have got one that um, I thought was worth sharing. <laughs> okay, go on. It's, it's more of a question or a hypothetical than anything. Mm. If you could time travel mm. back to the 80s mm. and eat a loaf of bread or eat some bread, Mm. would that bread taste good? By today's standards. (laughs) I think, I don't think so. No. I think I have nicer bread now. (laughs) Yeah, but I think even if you went back in time and bought a nice loaf of bread in the 80s, it wouldn't wouldn't taste as good good as a, a nice loaf of bread now. I think, Bread has got a lot better in those decades, which is very weird when you think bread has been around probably for millennia. Like, what? Why has it advanced so much in that time? Yeah, it's really upped its game. Like, yes, but why? I don't know. Goes to show, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't it? 
you might think that there's there's nowhere left to go for something then all of a sudden <laughs> this is what i'm hoping for my career hmm. quandary corner i forgot to say quandary corner last week i think i just called it problematic that's all right thanks um who's the first one from it's from jake i have a quandary before the pandemic, while waiting in the supermarket queue with a trolley load of shopping, you would, of course, let the people with a few items go ahead of you. Now that we rightly have to adhere to social distancing, is it OK to let someone go in front of you and have them think you're a terrible person? Oh, sorry. Is it OK to not let someone go in front of you and have them think you're a terrible person? Or do you risk it out of politeness? This is an excellent question. Isn't it? Because I think pre-lockdown, pre-pandemic, I think if you've um, just got a few, if you've got a big trolley and they've just got a few items, I think it's really great. Makes you look amazing to say, do you want to pop in front of me? But does this happen now? Are you even allowed to speak now? When so you, all to your let somebody go in front mouth? of you, you would have to presumably break social distancing as they passed you in uh, the queue. Uh, uh. I mean, you could proceed it with, with, if you feel comfortable, I'd be very happy for you to go in front of me. Yeah, I don't know. I sort of feel in supermarkets, you just can't interact anymore. Sad, isn't it? No, it's not sad. It's brilliant. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I do feel this whole, I feeling like this has happened to me a lot less since the self-service checkouts. Like if you've only got a few things, you tend to go to the self-service ones, don't you? Yeah. I have to say self-service checkouts are i think it happens to everybody there comes a point in your life where you use the technology like an old person uses it oh. and i remember um pete god rest his soul like watching him use a cash machine was painful because mm. everything that flashed up on the screen you could see him processing it and then <laughs> and then doing it whereas i think right. somebody even a bit younger it it, it just felt intuitive mm. and self-service checkouts do not feel i i'm doing that exact same thing whatever the instruction is i read it think it and then act oh right you don't feel you don't feel professional at it no no i feel mm. like an amateur mm. rank amateur um why do you feel professional i mean you're a bit younger than i am <laughs> i i kind of i kind of think yeah i'm all right at it i'm okay all right and do you have any concerns around the the uh the the robots taking people's jobs element of self don't ask me a big question like that (laughs) (laughs) what are you thinking of no i think um i think it's fine it's nice for them (laughs) (laughs) save that question for the other podcast don't ask me that See, hold Red Ed and have some idea about some form of universal basic income or something which could stave off the economic devastation of automation. Mm-hmm. Not getting that from you, am it's not, I? It's not my area, no. No. Ask me what What's the names your... of my mugs are. Not, I'm your girl. <laughs> bet he hasn't got a mug, mug with a name. And I bet he hasn't, no. No. Um, did we get any way towards a, a resolution on that one? Well, I don't know. My opinion is that Everything's changed temporarily and you just don't speak to anybody. Okay. Well, I'm I'm going with the if you feel comfortable. Okay. Because <laughs> you're wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah. But you're saying you shouldn't even be speaking with the mask on. No, I think you just have to let's go in the order that you're there. No, there's no mm. jump in the queue. What if you did ventriloquist? voice where you didn't really try and move oh then that's uh, totally fine oh. yeah i don't think that really affects how much air you're expelling does it a little bit maybe a little bit maybe yeah okay uh and who's the other one from chris long time reader since episode one without fail first time writer wow yeah welcome chris, chris. thank you that's yeah. amazing I'm 41 and my mum sends me prints of every photo I post on the family WhatsApp account. It's like having (laughs) a personal unlimited account with snappy snaps for life. They are my own photos. I have the digital copies. If I wanted to print them, I could do it myself. But they come without fail virtually every week. Sometimes there's even a contact sheet. How do I get her to stop? 
It's really annoying. I don't need prints of these pictures. They clutter up the house. I've got albums and drawers and boxes full of them. Who does this? Perhaps it's worth some context. I'm 41, married with one child, my mother's only grandchild. The photos are mainly of my child. I live 200 miles away from where she is and my brother is two years younger and has no significant other or family on the horizon. Furthermore, my child survived open heart surgery just after she was born seven years ago. We're lucky to have her and she is adored by everyone. Especially me and my mum, who both survived cancer battles two years after my child's heart surgery. Well, everyone except my father, who abandoned us 20 years ago. So, should I tell my mum that printing every single family photo and posting them to me is like the 90s is, is mildly annoying? Or should I just suck it up and say nothing and keep putting them in a drawer. Thoughts welcome. Oh, there's a, there's a lot to go out there, isn't there? I think, Chris, that when the cloud explodes, you're going to be glad of those print copies. <laughs> I think I, I love the idea of having backup. Like, I, I'm a, especially with photos of your child. Like, if they're all digital, aren't you scared of losing them all? I think it's amazing. Mm. So this is slightly different, but... Lynn Barron, my mother-in-law, enjoys clipping things out of the newspaper and sending them to us. Right. Now... That's very retro. It is very retro. I think fairly much everything she sends is available online and could be sent as a link in an email Mm. that I would never click on. (laughs) Um, And... and, What tends to happen is I glance at these things, skim them or read them depending on how interested I am, and then into the bin they go. Right. And then I will feel really guilty about the environmental cost of this thing crossing the Atlantic. Mm. But is it about the joy I receive? I definitely think they're thoughtful. Mm. And... She sends them to Sarah as well and always has done. And actually, if she writes a note or, 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 or scribbles on them in some way, then they do tend to get saved. Mm. But just random articles tend to speed read in the bin. Mm. Um, but she is feeling connection by sending them. I'm, I'm yes. just trying to think this through. Yeah, that's, what it's, that's how it seems, yeah. And with the best of them with personal notes it's a lovely thing and they get saved with the worst of them they go straight in the bin is it that much effort to throw them in the bin not really uh do does the fact that it's traveled that far make me feel a bit icky a little bit but how would it make is nicer so i'm now thinking about what if that was photos like there's something about photos especially of your child so I have a thing on my phone where I'll, I'll sometimes, like it snowed at the weekend, for example, and I must have taken like 200 photos of Jean in the snow just to get the right one, just to get the right shot. But I'm a bit superstitious about ever deleting a photo of him. Or he will quite often grab my phone while I'm using it and start taking photos of his feet or the wall or whatever. And I'm really superstitious about deleting those photos because they were something he made and I feel sentimental about them. So is it then possible if your mum is sending you these pictures to to throw them away or is there too much sentimentality that goes with it? I think how can how can you possibly bring it up? Is when someone's been doing something for years. Yeah. I think it reaches a point if she if she if she did it once and you said, "Oh, thanks for that. I don't need it though." Fine. Yeah, yeah. When she's I done it for the, 16 years, I don't, your moment the question, I don't think the question here is about whether you can stop your mum from doing it. That's mm. that's happening. That's that's just uh that's just how it is. But it's whether you should just be shoving those photos in drawers and boxes. Or or throwing them away. I'll keep them. Yeah, keep them. But what if he ends up with one of those houses like they used to make Channel um. 5 documentaries about. <laughs> oh, God, I'm just getting to the stage now where I'm going to suggest, well, I think you should scan them and then save them digitally. So <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> it's all gone mad. I, think, I don't know. Yeah, maybe just tell her. 
are we talking folk there's detail oh is is she just printing them out on a sheet of a4 mm. or has she got some kind of photo printer so they're like physical photos like the ones we remember from our childhoods i i yeah well he says that sometimes there's even a contact sheet so i think she is having them printed out professionally then i think if you've got the room don't worry about it just mm. they're, they're nice things to have mm. you you'll find that box one day when um you know your kid is at university or has their own life and you're waiting for that phone call once every other week and the visit every three months and we've got and, to the stage of the pandemic where there's no yeah. electricity anymore yeah. so you don't have digital anything those things will th- those things will feel like the most precious things in the world yeah. in the future as annoying as they are to uh to to keep now and you definitely shouldn't say anything no absolutely not no mm. no think how much pleasure it's bringing out i know yeah good um i think we sorted that out then didn't I we think so yeah uh, if you have some kind of dilemma regarding how you're interacting with somebody else, what you should and shouldn't say, what social etiquette is, then get in touch with us here in Problematic. Uh, it's hello at adriftpodcast.com. that was our podcast thank you to you for listening we appreciate your ears as ever uh, and we appreciate your stories of social ineptitude email us hello at adriftpodcast.com thanks to man and the echo for the backing music and to emily harrison for the incidental music kim rainey designed our artwork carla gowlett took the photos and i want to finish by very very clearly saying please do not add me to your professional network on linkedin (laughs) Podication time. This comes from Duncan Rogers. Slam dunk defunk. Duncan Donuts. (laughs) Sorry, Duncan. Sorry. Sorry. Who says, ahoy hoy. He then adds in brackets, waits to see if Jeff explains again. (laughs) It's who blinks first here, Duncan. I'm desperate to say, you know, that was the original greeting to be used on the telephone and it's how Mr. Montgomery Burns speaks in The Simpsons when he answers the phone. And it was for a long time a catchphrase on Danny Baker's old show with his uh, listeners. But I'm not, I'm not going to do it. No, you didn't. I'm no. not going to give in to temptation. No, don't. Long-time listener, infrequent, long-winded communicator. Um, I, I will say this is a lengthy podication, but it's worth the ride, I think, very much so. Um, it says... I'd like to start by saying how you guys have been a running accompaniment to most of my relationship with my wife. I met Nikki in a pub on the 2nd of February 2001 and it was clear from early on we'd found each other sorry we'd found in each other what had been previously missing. I proposed within 6 months and we moved in together the following year. We were a bit short of money and we were not in any rush so we didn't marry until the 2nd of February, 2007. I think that's, that's respectable. That's yeah. fine, isn't it? Yeah. Check you definitely like each other. Yeah. Uh, try before you buy. Mm. Yeah. Um, neither of us had really listened to the radio much at all until I changed my job to being that of a driver in late 2004. With countless hours behind the wheel, it wasn't long before I started toying around with the radio that was in the van and discovered the joys of Pete and Jeff on Virgin Radio. I was on there all those years, and uh, I still struggled to say the word radio. (laughs) It was weird. Um, I tried to get Nikki to listen, but to no avail. Books were her thing. Mine too, but nowhere near as much as her. And the more I listened, the more I enjoyed. Though, to my ear, they worked together so so well, it wasn't too long before that partnership dissolved 
and Jeff moved to his own show with Annabelle co-hosting in January of 2006. Uh, then on across the time slots uh, until finally walking out for good in 2017. I announced with this with dismay to Nikki, who by then had been subjected to any number of funny asides and anecdotes from the both of you, uh, either recounted by me or played over a device. She understood. Although she would never listen deliberately, she also wasn't caused to run off if you were on in the same room. <laughs> and from her, that is high praise indeed. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. The amount of people who flee... I think that reflects very well on her. Um, He also adds, and that's what happened with every other piece of radio output. That wasn't just music. Even then, some music could cause her to scarper too. (laughs) I I, I just love running off. I love people people making a quick exit Mm. is always good. That was always a good phone-in we'd do, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. By then, our family had grown by one dog, a very good girl called Hoshi in early 2010 and in September 2011 a bouncing baby boy Tobin joined us it probably not be prudent to add that um that sorry it wouldn't I'll start this again I've got the computer too far away from me I'm very focal <laughs> it's, it's unfortunately the distance between me and the computer tonight is it falls between the stalls of my very focals oh I don't know whether I should varies. be using the yeah I know mm. I really need to change the text size, but I can't quite bring myself to do it on my computer or my phone, really. Let me try that again. Um, It would probably not be prudent to add that when only the back of his slightly hairy head was born, it looked like an enormous bollock. I bet that's very common. (laughs) I bet uh, it's quite often a midwife or a gynaecologist will comment on that um though my wife didn't agree or appreciate my remark and has since reminded me of this several times oh hang on hang on i don't think i'm quite taking in what happened there so as tobin was emerging Mm. you you looked down at the miracle of birth Mm. And then looked back at Nikki and said, mm. it looks like an enormous bollock. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not entirely appropriate. That's incredible. Yeah. I really respect it. I can understand <laughs> how it, it wasn't probably a, a, a prudent choice, as you say. No, but no. I really respect anybody who in that moment is capable of blurting something like that out. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm a world-class blurter and I feel like an amateur <laughs> compared to that. Um, he carries on. We had also relocated from Woking to Poole in 2015. After the retirement announcement, you mentioned a one-off live show uh, where you would reveal a podcast you'd be working on, having left what was by then Absolute Radio. Now, back in the early noughties, Nikki and I would travel the short distance from Woking into London a few times each year, usually with a group of friends to see the comedy store players improvise their consistently high-quality show, then head home, treating ourselves to a tuna melt at Upper Crust in Waterloo Station on the way. Oh, I found out a fact about um, Upper Crust recently. Oh, go on. I think Mary Berry was kind of behind it. No. Yes. So... It was when British Rail was still nationalised. I think at that time she was like this hot restaurateur who'd like won acclaim and uh, awards in the 60s. And then British Rail were looking at how could they improve their offerings, both on trains and in stations. And they brought Mary Berry in to consult. And I think Upper Crust perhaps came out of those consultations. Wow, that's an amazing and then fact. After it got privatised and after the railway stations got privatised, it, it, it spun off as an entity. So I don't know if she saw money out of it right. beyond whatever they would have paid her at the time. But I think that's the story. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I love Upper Crust. Get a sandwich from there. I feel like I'm really living the light like I'm Mr. Upper Tea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do feel underdressed unless I'm wearing a top hat and a monocle <laughs> going to upper crust. 
Um, over the years, mortgage costs and cash flow difficulties meant that we would only go up maybe once every couple of years before we moved to the south coast, lured by the big free swimming pool and sand pit. Mm. Uh, uh, that was what we called the miles of nearby golden beaches. After the move, we never made it back to the capital. But as we were both homebodies with a small child and a dog to look after, that suited us fine. I knew that I really wanted to attend and hope Nikki would join me as we both prefer to be with the other if we want slash need slash have to go out somewhere. Unfortunately, though, babysitters proved difficult. And besides, she was never that much of a fan. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you don't need to write it quite as explicitly, <laughs> explicitly as that, Duncan. Uh, so we kissed and hugged goodbye as if I were to be leaving for weeks, took the train up with a plan to knock about for a bit after, then train back down for the same that same night. This might be small potatoes to some, but it represented about only the tenth evening apart from each other uh, since we'd moved in together in 2002. And this was the first bedtime for my then four-year-old I would miss entirely. Nikki had gone back to work after four months, so I'd been house husband, primary caregiver, dog walker and chief putter to bedder ever since. That's, that's amazing. That's mm. that's great. I mean, I've done a lot of bedtimes, but I've got nothing like that kind of an unbroken streak. Anyway, I travelled up, found the venue, all went well, a funny, chatty, rambly hour, though Jeff did freak out the audience to begin with. As he called for quiet, the only sound left was an instant fussing. After a couple of seconds, oh, he's just written down what I shouted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wrote, will someone shut that effing baby up? Uh, shouted, will someone shut that effing baby up? And then I think that made people very uncomfortable. And then I explained, it's all right, it's my baby crying. Sarah had come along with Eugene, who at the time was one or whatever. Um, some minutes before the name of this podcast was announced, I managed to drift a moment. Jeff called for questions. and very much out of character. I raised my hand. Is this the same chilli sauce that caused you that problem at the radio station? I asked, producing a small, empty and well-cleaned bottle labelled Satan's Shit. On examining it, Jeff agreed it was. Detailed story once again, as indeed he may do now. I, I haven't got the energy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, only, I'm down to 7%, 7% on my laptop as well, and this is a long podication, so I don't want to tempt fate. Um, uh, then, then he thanked me for the gift uh clearly not sure why to announce it as a gift i then experienced a problem i enjoy a lot of chili sauce and keep all the bottles and put some of them on shelves that i've put up especially i wanted the bottle back <laughs> but jeff had just announced to perhaps 100 people that i'd gifted it to him i think, I think it was more like 140 but <laughs> I to split hairs here i thought against my driftery nature and piped up. Uh, not not a gift. Uh, could I have it back, please? Or something along those lines. I can't remember exactly what I said, but Jeff displayed it on the table on stage along with some keepsakes from the radio shows, allowing me to retrieve it uh, as I was among the last to, sh- last to shuffle out at the end. After I left, I stopped at one of the upper crusts in Waterloo, only to be told they had never heard of a tuna melt. <laughs> I tried heard. the other branch and was... Was what? told, never heard of it. Must be from before my time, prov. Never heard. Of it. Must be a hangover from the Mary Berry days. <laughs> yeah. oh, Duncan, that is that is funny. You know, um, I really loved that live show. Yeah, like, everything about it. It was a really special day. Um, but I, you know, the detail. My, my head's like a sieve, so I don't remember the detail. But that um, that 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 was a good moment. I think that's really funny. I'd forgotten that that happened. Uh, he says. How disappointing, I said to myself. So back to the tuna melt. How disappointing, I said to myself, and thought how times had changed since the last time I'd made a similar journey. Now, though, I was speeding back to my wonderful little family, a 100 miles to the south, and could not have been happier. I had finally met the people behind the voices on the radio, whose speech was the soundtrack to the most eventful times in my life. I'd been reminded of some delicious baguettes I'd shared during hilarious nights out in town with my beautiful wife, and I still had the bottle of Satan's shit to replace it (laughs) in its spot on the shelf. So, all going well, on the closest podcast before our 20th anniversary, so that I can surprise her with it on the very day, the greatest gift I could give to the love of my life... 
a podication on a show that she doesn't listen to, mm. mainly about a trip to London that she didn't go on, <laughs> and a sandwich no longer for sale. <laughs> well done for putting up with me for so long, Nikki. I love you so much. Thank you for being so wonderful. Peace and love. Peace and love. Many thanks and all the best wishes. Duncan Rogers. That was epic. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, uh, I don't know if it's self-indulgent of me to say that as epic, but I really, uh, really enjoyed your memories. As, as I think I've said before, it's a weird old job where we sit here talking into microphones and to some extent you're oblivious to other people's lives going on at the same time and how, you know, you're this constant noise in the background of other people's lives and it's lovely to read uh, that that story. Although probably just an annoyance to Nikki. <laughs> yeah, poor Nikki. She probably just thinks, oh, if he'd never fiddle with that van radio, <laughs> yeah. our lives could have been very different. <laughs> All those hours I've had to put up with those anecdotes. Um, there, there we go. Uh, well, thank you. And happy anniversary, 20th anniversary. That's uh, it's really quite something. Uh, so congratulations to both of you. And to old uh, Bollockhead. <laughs> Sorry, it's not nice to call your, your son Bollockhead. No. Um, Tobin, Tobin's a great name, I Isn't think. Isn't it? Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, really like that. Is that uh, how's, how's that doing in the popularity stakes, Annabelle? Well, I, I think it would often be shortened to Toby, which I think is probably mm. in the top 100, mm. but Tobin mm. would definitely be more unusual, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Um, well, there we go. Latest edition of the podcast, podicated from Slam Dunk Duncan Rogers to Nikki. And if you would like a podication, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.